I'd like to welcome onto the show uh, Mark Matson, who's president of Swim Drink Fish Canada and Lake Ontario Waterkeeper. I like to consider Mark a friend of the show. Mark, you've been on several times, and did you get down to the lake uh, the past couple of days to beat the heat? Um. Well, hi Kelly, and hi to everyone. <laughs> um, I have I haven't been down to Toronto's beaches in the last few days just because um, I was away. I was down in Kingston. We have some reports coming out next week, so I was working down there. But I'm here now, and you're right. The temperature's dropping, but I'm still going to be out there tomorrow. You know, you bring up Kingston, and I'd love to talk about Kingston. I lived in Kingston, Ontario for a little while when I was a kid. It's a beautiful city. It's right on Lake Ontario. I remember swimming in Lake Ontario as a kid, uh, quite close to Kingston. Uh, we had a little area that my parents would bring us to, um, on the weekend, and we just, it was just a beautiful experience. Can- Kingston, Ontario has become the first Canadian city to install uh, pipe monitors to measure sewage leaks in real time. Can you talk about this technology, how vital it is for the health of our Great Lakes and how it works? Well, yeah, and I'm glad you raised that. So real-time monitoring is just, you know, with technology and the ability to share information, it's it's really quite simple. Wherever you have a pipe that's discharging untreated sewage or sewage or stormwater into the water, you just monitor it and you share that in real time with the public. So, Kingston's website, you can go on their website, the utility website, you can see all the pipes everywhere where there's a pipe on the shoreline, and it lets you know whether or not anything's being discharged into the lake from those pipes. And and that has created an incredible level of literacy um, among the public about water quality, and, you know, it's helped them protect their own health and their family's health, because if you're going in an area, you might want to check to see if there's discharges of sewage um, in the area. We've been pushing that here in Toronto. I mean, there's no reason why Toronto shouldn't have it. We've been pushing it for, since I was looking this morning, 2014, we raised it with the provincial government in the city of Toronto. And, if, and, and you know, the government agreed. Um, and I know the Minister of Environment asked the city of Toronto to, to be more transparent about their discharges of sewage. A lot of people think that the city dealt with this issue many years ago, where they hear big numbers like $3 billion being spent to fix the problem. But they're talking decades from now. And right now, there are many people out there swimming in water, and they have no idea that there's sewage being discharged. And Toronto discharges a lot. Um, their CSOs, their bypasses. And for a couple of years there, the city of Toronto was through their 311 number. Um, they were giving alerts to the public when there were sewage discharges and bypasses. But we've noticed this year it's stopped. And yeah. again, you know, if you don't, if the public isn't aware of what's going on, they're going to get sick. So there's, you know, first of all, people are going to get sick because of the lack of transparency um, by not having real-time monitoring. And second, it's really bad for the discussion about what we need to do to um, expand recreational water across our waterfront. So there's a real focus. We're pointing to Kingston. You know, they have this beautiful new gourd, Edgar Downey Pier, hundreds of thousands of people swimming in an area that when I was there, you know, in the 80s, going to Queens, you know, it was seen as it was, you know, swim at your own risk. And we don't want that. (laughs) And you know what? It's funny that you say that because I guess it would have been a little bit earlier than the 80s that we were living in Kingston. But you're not swimming off the Kingston Harbor. Not then. You know, we would go out around Kingston. But my dad had a little Mm -hmm. uh, special spot that we go to that he felt was, you know, an appropriate place to swim. There were a couple of things you brought up here. Uh, CSO. I didn't know what you were talking about, so I'm probably not alone for people tuned in. What, what's a CSO and what's the significance? Sorry, yeah, um, we talk about CSO so much, but they're combined sewer overflows. So these are the pipes that were put in place, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago in a lot of the older cities 
um, and they separate the sewage from the storm stormwater in the pipe. So yeah. they have this barrier in the middle and the sewage goes to the sewage treatment plant where it gets treated and the stormwater goes directly to the lake. And when we have rainstorms and, you know, we've built more condos, for example, downtown, you have more sewage, you have in rain, they commingle. And there isn't the capacity to send it all to the sewage treatment plant. So everything goes. The sewage and the stormwater are discharged into the lake. And that's why, you know, there's a lot of warnings. Don't go swimming after it rains. It's because these combined sewer overflows are discharging sewage into the water. And, you know, you should stay out of the water for two days to allow for the bacteria to die out. You were talking about how the health of, of uh, Kingston's Harbour has changed since they've started to really concentrate on monitoring their uh, waste and, and waste overflow. Mm-hmm. I was reading that the city, uh, since they became, since they started using these real-time monitors, they discovered that their early, earlier calculations really underestimated how much untreated water was going into the harbour in Kingston. Mm-hmm. So that really speaks to what's happening here in Toronto. So even after a rainfall, if we, your best educated guess for people that work on this, it's just not going to be as good as these real-time monitors. Are we talking about a big uh, cash uh, infusion here, like an outlay of uh, cash to get these uh, set up? In terms of separating the CSOs or the monitoring? Um, Well, the the CSOs, I would imagine, is expensive. But what about the monitoring? No, the monitoring is, it's minuscule amounts of money. It's, that's what I, this is what I can't understand is why the city of Toronto continues to fight the public on this. Um, you know, maybe they don't want to give up the control over the message and, you know, they really want us to, you know, see what they're doing over the next 10, 20 years, their 25 year wet water master plan. But I cannot understand how they don't see, you know, and the city of Kingston, by the way, was very secretive too, but when they became very public, they found that it just helped them so much. Um, it helped them get the funds to deal with the problems. It helped mm-hmm. them, you know, pe- people really understood the issue and they didn't point fingers or blame. They really wanted to be part of the solution. I think the same is in Toronto. I cannot understand for the life of me why these tiny, cheap little monitors and, you know, these new data sharing platforms. We have Swim Guide, for example. It can be open access. It can just pop up on our website without anybody even manually punching it in that that pipe is discharging in that area and be warned not to swim, you know, whether it's at Bluffers or Ashbridges Bay or Sunnyside. I don't know why there's so little transparency around these issues. Um, and I know that legally, they're required to notify the public. I know under the Ontario Water Resources Act, and I know the Minister of Environment's ordered the city to be more transparent. And I know that other cities, Vancouver, Ottawa, Kingston are all moving. You know, Kingston's already moved, but other cities are following suit. Toronto just has this, you know, they're stubborn, I find. And they're just, they do not want to be transparent about the flaws or the undercapacity of the sewage treatment plan in it. And it costs Torontonians. It costs us money. It costs us our health. It, you know, it, it translates into, in, into this weird idea that, you know, the water's always dirty and no one should swim right. in the lake. And, and we've got a new group of, of, of Torontonians that are really keen you know, younger people to get down and use that waterfront where for decades it wasn't being used, but by a handful of people or some people going to harbor front for the weekend. But now people are actually surfing, I, uh, you know, on the water, like off the, uh, you know, portlands out there. It's, it's kind of cool. This is a really interesting factoid too. Bluffers Beach mm-hmm. in Toronto 
It has transformed over the years from a dangerous no-swim zone to one of the city's safest and most popular swimming spots. It actually, it's right below the uh, Scarborough Bluffs. It's one of 22 beaches to earn the prestigious Blue Flag Canada Award Mm -hmm. this year. Can you talk about that and how and why that beach has changed? Sure. And I love talking about Bluffers because we were very involved in that. In 2005, it was Toronto's um, dirtiest beach. Um, it closed more there, you know, shut down or warnings more than 95% of the time. And I had come out, I was a lawyer, I'm an environmental lawyer. So I, you know, got a hydrogeologist and we did an investigation of the site. And it turns out a lot of stormwater and untreated sewage was being discharged, you know, into the, onto the beach area and then leaching out into the water. And so we filed a report with the city and the city ended up, I think it cost them $2 million. They built these, these sort of berms, yeah. that kept the water back into it. And it's a wetland that's grown up. You see it back in behind there. And um, it kept the, 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 the sewage from flowing out into the beach. And it went to Toronto's cleanest beaches. And it's beautiful because it's so shallow and nice and mm-hmm. sandy and incredible. And for people in Scarborough, you know, that's t- the only beach between Rouge and the beaches, the beach area. That's almost 13 kilometers of waterfront and it's this one 200 yard or meter, I guess now I'm getting, I'm old, but a 200 meter beach, you know, beautiful beach. And that's Scarborough's um, watershed. And you talk about, you know, popularity. When I was there in 2005, it was the middle of July on a hot day at noon, and we counted 14 people on the beach. Now, if you go, try and go to that beach on a weekend, um, you know, the police are standing at Brimley and Kingston Road stopping the cars because the right. parking lots are already full There's by no 8 room. in the morning. Yeah. There's no room. It's amazing. And so, you know, people are now using the water year-round. They never did that before. Stand up paddleboarding, surfing. And mm-hmm. all of this is great. If you can't swim in the water, it's pretty embarrassing that we're drinking it, which we are. I know everyone knows we get our drinking water from Lake Ontario. And just imagine the wildlife and nature that can't read the signs, you know, they can't, don't eat the fish, don't swim here, don't drink this. I mean, it's just, it's not good for the rest of the swimmable, drinkable, fishable, you know, um, Great Lakes. And so swimmable water is a really important step towards protecting the Great Lakes and improving Toronto's connection to nature and the Great Lakes. Well, Mark, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, congratulations on all the work, hard work on, on Bluffers Beach. Uh, it's paid off, and hopefully the city heeds our, uh, your call for the real-time uh, wastewater monitors because I think it's, it's a no-brainer. We need to know what, you know, what the health of our uh, largest body of water that we live on is, and it's, it's important. Transparency is a big deal. Thank you so much You're for joining fine. us. Thanks, Kelly. Always appreciate your time. Mark Matson, president of Swim, Drink, Fish Canada and Lake Ontario Waterkeepers.